This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Tonight we're going to be talking about the master key to joy in living. The master key to joy in living. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Where's the whistler? Alex, you weren't talking, were you? We oughtn't listen. That was the time to whistle. Thank you. <laughs> now, Nehemiah 8.10, and we're talking about the master key to joy in living. And uh, I already had my sermon written out today. Then the Lord gave me this verse right before I, right before I came to church. I wrote it down, and I saw, I saw something, some things I'd never seen before. And how many are familiar with the last part of this verse? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, anyway, I read the first part of the verse, and it goes right in line with what we're going to be teaching tonight. And, you know, the book of Nehemiah, you know, if you're maybe a new Christian or you don't know much about your Bible, you may not know what it's about, but if you're a Christian, been around for all, read your Bible, Jerusalem had basically been destroyed by enemy armies. And then God finally got to the place with the people where they were ready to serve him again. And so they got together and they, and they began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And you know, I just, I just say this, not political, but God believes in walls. God had walls around Jerusalem to protect it from enemies. And so the enemies had torn down the walls, destroyed the walls. And so, and so the, they, they came to rebuild it and all the families worked together. They fought together. They slept together. Not by wrong sleeping together, but I've said they slept inside there together. As, as a unit, as people were all together, and they, they worked hard and done things, and, and they hadn't heard the law read for a long time because they'd been scattered. They'd been messed up. And so we get here to chapter 8, and uh, they're taking a little break in the action, rebuilding the walls, and the priest, for the first time in many years, gathered people together to hear the Word of God read. And you read these verses around this before and after, you're going to see the people wept and they cried. When they heard the law read, I guess they hadn't heard it for a long time. Has anybody here ever been through a dry season where you get to come to a church service and all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, that's what I need to hear. That was the Bible. That was the word of God again. Oh, that's so good. And you're sitting there either weeping on the inside or outside. Well, that's where these people were right here. They were all working together. So then verse 10 says this. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat. And drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so, the, the Holy Ghost spoke this to me, and I wrote it down how he said it. A child of God is the strongest spiritually when they work together to build the kingdom of God and hear his word together. Because they got joy. The people were full of joy. And what were they doing to be full of joy? They were together on a project for God. They were working together to build the kingdom of God. They were hearing the word of God together. They were working together and said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they got the most joy when they were working together for God. Get this. You know, I'm, tell, I'm telling you something really real here. And then as I was worshiping the Lord a minute ago, I recalled my early Christian days. And then I remembered that 
when I was a sinner, before I met Jesus, I got born again at 28 and a half years old. It seemed like the few Christians that I ever saw, they didn't have any joy. They didn't have anything I wanted. They were depressed. They were gripers. And they never said anything I wanted to hear because, you know, all I had to do was go down to the Sunshine Inn and I'd get my joy in a bottle, which was really just false happiness. The Sunshine Inn was a tavern we drank hit by the truck trucking company I worked at. And so if I was down, I knew where to go get help. But these guys, a lot of them seemed like they were down all the time. I remember one day, one day I was working with a guy. He went from our company. We were sitting there to take care of the paperwork after unloading his truck. And I'm just right in the middle of my center days. I mean, God was, my thinking, a million miles away. But never thought about it. All of a sudden, this guy looks up at me with this scowl and looked like he was sucking on lemons. He said, you need to get saved. And he said it real low. And I said, what did you say? He said, you need to get saved. And all I could think of was, if it's what you got, I don't want it because I don't want to be like you. Because the guy had no joy. There was no strength in him. He was weak. And so, as I was up here worshiping the Lord, I'm thinking about our society. I'm thinking about the mess that our country's in. If there's ever a time that God needs strong Christians out here on the front lines, it's now. Amen. You know, you can be a quiet Christian, but you can still be a strong Christian. You know, when, when, you're, when you're full of the Spirit of God, you're walking with Him, doesn't mean you have to be loud and shouting and beating everybody and telling them about God, but they're going to see a strength in you. They're going to sense a strength in you. And, you know, I, I know people that don't like to say anything much in church, but they're the best one-on-one soul winners are in the whole world. You get them one-on-one with people on the, on the truck dock, one-on-one in the Walmart store, one-on-one, whatever they're doing, and people will begin to pour their hearts out to them because they sense something. And, you know, I know when I was a truck driver, wasn't a pastor, when I was a truck driver, I cannot tell you dozens, maybe hundreds of times, that perfect strangers, men and women, when I was delivering freight to them or, 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 or having ch- happen chance meetings with them, seeing them somewhere or something like that, they'd start pouring their hearts out to me about their marriage. And they didn't even know me as a stranger. But the strength in me, they sensed it. Or they start telling me about their wayward teenagers. Or they start telling me about all the problems of life they've got, their money problems and everything else. And then I'd begin to talk to them about Jesus. And pray with them, pray for them. And they'd start crying. And they'd say, I don't know why I told you these things. I don't know you. I just don't know why I told you. I said, I know exactly why you told me. Because I'm full of Jesus. And Jesus is the answer for your problems. And I'd pray with them, lead them to him. And so I want to say that again. He told these people here that the joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't have to pray for strength. When you're full of the joy of the Lord, you've got strength. And think about the fruit of the Spirit. If you're familiar with Galatians 5, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy. You know, if you've got the love of God, you need to have some joy to go with it. Amen. And, 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 and if you're going to be a person full of faith, you've got to have some joy. Nobody wants to hear from you if you look mean all the time. And, you know, people can misinterpret your looks. They look at you on the outside. You may be, you may be all full of the Word of God and everything, but if you never smile, they think, man, this guy's mean. 
Man, this girl, this girl here, man, there's something wrong with her, man. She's even being mad all the time. She's not. Just doesn't have any joy. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. So a child of God is the strongest spiritually when they work together to build the kingdom of God and hear his word together. Now get to John chapter 10, verse 10. And I'm actually going to be reading this out of the Amplified Bible. And keep it in mind, I'm talking about the master key to joy in living. The master key to joy in living. John chapter 10, verse 10. And, you know, this this is one of our big verses we rewrite here all the time. Is that the Amplified up there? Okay, good. Uh, I'll see how that first part goes here. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. And I learned off of Charles Capps way back in 1980 when I first got saved. Matter of fact, Charles Capps was one of my Bible school teachers. But Charles Capps always called this the dividing line of the Bible. Because a lot of Christians that are not uh, taught the Bible, they never know if it's God or the devil trying to put a sickness on them. They try to figure out if it's God or the devil trying to steal their money. They try to figure out if it's God or the devil trying to break up their home. But Jesus told us right there, real plain, he said, the thief's the one that come to steal your marriage, to steal your money, to kill, to kill your family. He's the one that come to destroy your life. He come to steal, kill, destroy. And so to me, I got taught that so strongly, not this verse, but other Bible verses, to know that anything bad going on in my life, it wasn't God. Even if I opened the door for something bad, Jesus said, I come for you to have life more abundantly. I come to help you. And so that, that helps your prayer life when you know that. Amen? That kind of gives you some joy. But anyway, the last part of the verse is where we're launching from tonight. Jesus said, I came that they may have and what? Enjoy life. Jesus wants you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you sad. He doesn't want you depressed. He doesn't want you living around in fear and doubt about tomorrow. He doesn't want you when things come and you're uncertain about life. He doesn't want you to be depressed and want to give up. He says, okay, they have it enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Somebody shout. In abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the kind of life God wants us to have. And so anyway, I just want to give, tell you a little personal story about our ministry. When we pioneered our first church in 1992, Mrs. Pastor and I, God sent us to a town we didn't know anybody. I mean, new zero people, nobody. God relocated us, went to a new town, and I was a truck driver, and I didn't know when he sent us there we were going to be pioneering a church. And so anyway, uh, he let us begin to lead the pioneer church. And so we were talking, because we were going to start putting some flyers out. Mrs. Pastor had about a 1900 typewriter, not called not, not a 1900 series, 1900. I mean, <laughs> electric typewriters have been invented. No. Who's preaching me or you? Okay, you preached last week. I never bothered you. <laughs> I better watch out what I say. I get to go home with her. If, do you want to preach? No. Okay. We did know what electric typewriters were. We just didn't own one. And so she had one that had that ribbon you put inside of there. And just anyway. So we had a typewriter. 
and bought some paper. She'd go make some flyers. And that was the way she wanted to get the word out. Because we didn't, couldn't invite somebody to come to our new church. We didn't know anybody. So she went around to the grocery stores and put them on the little community bulletin boards to the laundromats in town, put them around like that. But I said, man, I said, what are we going to call our church? We don't have a name for it. And so I got to thinking about some of those stories I told you about the Sarpus Christians that I knew. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to pastor a church for Jesus, I'm going to ask some joyful Christians. I said, you know what? I said, Christians are the most joyful where they get to do what God called them to do in the church. And the reason I say that, I went to a church where I didn't mind helping do anything. I did. But I was called to be a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. And so our pastor had this had this thinking about him. You had to work your way up to a calling. You had to clean toilets and scrub floors and stuff like that. You'd never get to do anything spiritual in the church. But we had people that never wanted to do anything spiritual. They wanted to clean toilets. They wanted to do floors. They wanted to vacuum. They wanted to wash windows. Windows. They had to talk it out of windows. No, we're not in Indiana anymore. But anyway, <laughs> she made me do that. And, and so any, anyway, I said, you know what? If I'm going to pastor a church and somebody's called to preach, I'm going to raise them up. Somebody's called to teach. Somebody's called to sing. And then somebody's called to clean toilets. What are they called to do? We're going to let people do what God wired them to do, what's on the inside of them. That's what we're going to do. And I made this statement. I said, you know what? That's when a Christian truly has joy in living, where they get to do what God called them to do, not what we wanted to make them do. And so, you know what? And when I said that, I said, you, you know, I think that'd be a good name for our church, Joy in Living. And she said, yeah. So we called our church Joy in Living Christian Center. Amen. And then that's what we've done for all these years. We've raised the people up and trained them to do what God called them to do. And, of course, sometimes when you're serving God, even if you're a preacher, sometimes you have to do some cleanness and work and stuff like that. You have to be willing to. <clears throat> and then at the same time, if you're one of the people that don't like to preach, there might be times you're called on to share your testimony or to do some things to be able to say some things. But the thing is, we're talking tonight about the master key to joy and living. When Christians do what God programmed them to do, what God put their heart to do, they're going to be the happiest. And so then, therefore, based upon what we saw in Nehemiah, if they're having joy in their living, in their lifestyle, then they're going to be stronger Christians. After stronger Christians, they're going to be better witnesses. After better witnesses, they're going to help more people. They're going to get more people out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And then somebody, somebody out there has been losing. If they come across you and you're a strong Christian, you begin to disciple them and help them, it's not going to be long for they're going to say, where do you go to church at? I want to go to your church because they're going to figure that you got what you got from where you go. Amen. Amen. How many here, how many here, and I know this is 100%, how many here want to be a stronger Christian? Amen. How many want to be somebody that's able, with you out there in the public, on the job, in your family functions, or wherever you're at, and somebody starts having a problem, you say, let me pray for you. <clears throat> you don't have to give them a card with a 1-800 prayer number on it. You say, hey, man, don't call the prayer line. You're with me. Amen. Go ahead and clap. You can clap. Uh, Mrs. Pastor didn't solicit, but I will. 
<laughs> hey, man, it's always nice to clap. And so anyway, we, we, we decided to call it Joy Living Christian Center. And uh, that's what we've done all these years. And so look at this again. He said, I came that they may have and enjoy life, and have an abundance to the full, to it overflows. And you know the expression that I use all the time, Jesus gave it to me way back in the year 2000, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Well, joy is a spiritual fruit of the Spirit. It's a spiritual force. And so when you have joy in your spirit, then naturally you're going to be a stronger person on the outside. I want to say that again. You're going to be stronger on the outside. And how does that work? When an attack comes, you know, you might, you might be on the job. And you might, I mean, back then, you know, when I, when I was working, we didn't have cell phones. But you, you got a cell phone now. What do you do if you're with a bunch of people and you get a text that something bad just happened in your family? One of your kids had a problem. Your mate had a problem. Your parents had a problem. Well, if you're strong on the inside, you're not going to break down in front of the whole world and be a basket case. You're going to look at it, and because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, you're going to recognize this is serious. I'm going to have to go home. I'm going to have to get out of here. I'm going to have to do something. But you're going to be able to have the joy of the Lord as your strength as you go, and people are going to see a strong person. And then as you get the victory over what's going on, people are going to look at you and say, Melinda, I would have never dreamed that's what was going on. And then Melinda's going to say, you know what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the healer of my family. Jesus Christ is our deliverer. Jesus Christ is our protector. Jesus Christ is our strength. And because when I heard that, yeah, that affected me. But all your sins, the outside, the one on the inside is where the strength is. And that strength comes to the outside. And then when you go through victories, through things like that, people come up to you and say, you know what, Dave? I had no idea what you were going through. But my dad just diagnosed with the same thing you went through. And would you mind praying for my dad, Dave? Because I know you know how to handle this. And that, that's how people come to the kingdom of God, because strong Christians that don't crumble, don't melt when the heat comes on. They stand strong. People look to them and they say, you know what? Prayer is real. Jesus is real. And I know who to go to. I'll tell you what, that pretty little girl, Heidi, she might drive those, those, those vehicles, man. She might jump those things and do the things she does. But I've watched her. That girl's got strength. And the big, tough race drivers come over to Heidi and say, Heidi, would you pray for me? Amen. But it's what's on the inside. And we're going to talk about how to get that joy on the inside. So this shows up on the outside. And so the only, I, the only way that you or I will ever truly enjoy life to the fullest is to know and to do what God has planned and gifted us to do with our life. I want to say that again. The only way you're truly going to have and enjoy that life in abundance that Jesus said that's his will. How many know the, the Bible is the will, the will of God? And Jesus said his will. It's for you to have and enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows. And so you've got to know and you've got to do what he wants you to do. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. 
I'll tell you what, you are going to get lit up tonight. And if you've been, if you've been one of those Christians walking down the road with your bottom lip dragging the ground so low that you're going to trip over, then it's time to be able to do what Jesus said. Look up and rejoice because your redemption draweth nigh. He doesn't want you walking around depressed, staring at the ground. Isn't that a terrible thing when a Christian is so messed up of life they can't even look you in the eye? You know, I learned, I learned a long time as a, long time ago as a Christian that when you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're full of Jesus walking with God, you can look anybody in the eye. And I know that when I'm talking with people, I can, I, I can locate people so many times by can they look me in the eye or not. I'm not doing anything to intimidate, say anything to intimidate anybody or anything, but when you're talking to a man or woman of God and you can have eye to eye contact while you're talking, that that means there's no fear there. There's no sense of insecurity there. It's somebody that knows who they are in Christ. And they're strong Christians. And when you're talking to people in the world that want to challenge you and intimidate you in life, how many know there's people out there that are full of the devil? And if they're not full of the devil, they're influenced by the devil. But you know what I found in life? When I was a truck driver, believe it or not, I preached for a lot of years, but I was a truck driver for 28 years, too. Well, he's older than Moses. No, I'm not. <laughs> but when I, was a truck, when I was a truck driver, and even still today, I run into some pretty mean people that just like to be mean and challenge you. But I'll tell you what, if you'll stand eyeball to eyeball with them, and they don't pick up fear on you, they'll back off. How many have learned that? Amen. I'm not talking about intimidation because Jesus, Jesus was a God man. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus never backed off, but he wasn't mean. He could look at people with the sweetness of the Holy Spirit coming out of him and those people cowed because of the strength that come through him. And so I'm not talking about a mean stare down. I'm talking about a confident because of who's in you. Just being able to have conversations and talk to people. Amen. Without letting people intimidate you all the time. Proverbs 10.22 says this. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he hath no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. He has no sorrow with it. Would you say sorrow's opposite of joy? Amen. How many people do you know, maybe yourself included, that are on a job or in a career that you got there because people told you this is what you ought to be doing for your life. Somebody told you, you need to go down this road here. This pays the best money. This has got the best benefits. And this here, you start climbing the ladder and get promotions if you go down this road. And I, I have known since I've been in the ministry, I've known men especially, that they took the money route Instead of taking time to see what Jesus had for him to do. Amen. Well, this is the blessing of the Lord. If it's the blessing of the Lord, how come you're meaner than a junkyard dog to your family? Amen. Do you know what a junkyard dog is? I had an uncle who had a junkyard in a ghetto area. Daddy had a junkyard dog. You know the kind of dogs you see in these shows on TV, got the big chain on, like that. That's meaner than a junkyard dog. Well, if you 
If you have chosen a career or a job without seeking God, and you know, you may not have even belonged to him when you got the job. You may have got saved later on. If you're at a place only for material things and natural things, you're not going to have the joy of the Lord. There could be sorrow with it. And because there's sorrow with it, you're a horrible witness. You walk in every day as, as sinners or lost people that are supposed to be there because that's, you know, that's where they're gifted to be and they're there. They're going to come in and be, they're going to have happiness and they're going to be better people to get along with than you are. Because every day you get up, you hate what you're doing. Because you hate what you're doing, your family don't want to be with you. You come to church and you come to church, you put on the fake face. Hey, so-and-so, how you doing today? Oh, man, I'm just doing great. I'm doing awesome. Everything's just so great. And your wife would like to say, yeah, I'd like to tell the truth on you, mister. And you look at the little kids following you in after being browbeat when you got home from work all the way up to the parking lot of the church. And the kids are walking in. I can't wait till I'm 18 years old and I'm out of here. I'm 18 years old. I'm gone. But then I've known, I've known, I've known, I've known other believers that had peer pressure, family pressure, and other kind of pressure. This is what you need to do. They said, no, that's not what's my heart to do. Here's what I need to do. And they've taken something that everybody didn't think they ought to take, but they sought the Lord and did what God wanted them to do. And because they followed the path God had for them, they had strength because they had joy. And they loved getting up every day to go to where they were going. They loved doing what they were doing because they were in the will of God, following God's plan and purpose for their life. And, you know, uh, the whole thing about it, when you're in the kingdom of God, it's not all about money. It's not all about benefits. Because the thing is, Matthew 6, says, when you seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, all these monies you need are added to you. All the benefits you need are added to you. All the health care you need is added to you. All the vacation days, all the holidays, whatever you need, God's going to add to you when you put Him first. But just think about this verse here. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Add no sorrow with it. But when you're doing what God wants you to do, you've got the joy of the Lord. And you've got the joy of the Lord, your family's going to love being around you. And if your parents... Your, your children are going to be around that joy all the time. They're not going to have to go to outside sources to seek fellowship. You know, I'm so grateful that my sons were always able to hang out with me and do things together. They had their own friends, but we always had joy in our house because I always followed the plan of God. When I was a truck driver, I had to change jobs sometimes because companies went out of business. And then when I could get jobs that other people get, I saw some of these truck driver jobs back in those days where people were on a ball chain. They had to work every weekend, had to work all the nighttime uh, shifts and everything like that. And one of them, I got hard. And then they go put me on a goofy shift <clears throat> where I'd never go to church, never see my family. And the day I got my 30 days in, then the guy said, okay, now that you're tired, because I was working days before that when I was a part-timer. Shook my hand and said, well, now starting start, start tomorrow, you're going to start coming in at 7 o'clock at night and work every weekend. <laughs> Which did. Did anybody ever say it's a wonderful life? Did you ever see when Jimmy Stewart was shaking Mr. Potter's hand? He went, 
Well, I was shaking Mr. Cook's head, and he was a nice guy. When he said that, I went, I said, i got to apologize to you. I said, this is my last day. He said, what? I said, I know you spent a lot of money on all the tests and training, the drug tests, and all the stuff you did to get me on over here. But I said, nobody told me he was going to be working these hours. I said, I'm not preaching to you, sir, but I'm a Christian. And I said, my family is before this job. I said, as a Christian, i got responsibility to be a husband to my wife. I got responsibility to take my children to church. And I said, if I work this shift you're saying, then my kids get home from school, I'll be walking out the door to work. I said, I'll be working these bars you've got set up. And I said, I'll be nothing but grouchy. And I said, besides that, I'd never be able to take my kids to church. And so as he stood there, if his mouth just hanging open, couldn't believe somebody walked away from that teamster's job like that. I just walked away and just, what could I say? But the whole thing was, as we went through scarcity for a while, till the right job showed up to take care of my family, we had joy in our family, in our house. We didn't have a lot of food. Had to make some deals with the light company. Had to watch where we drove because we had to save our money for gas. But we had the joy of the Lord till we got to the next place. And, you know, faith pleases God. And so, because we walk by faith, our children now know how to live by faith because they know how to make right decisions. Amen? And so, anyway, the sorrow part is not of God. And so, I, I want to get to the main thing I want to show you now. I know that telling stories, time kind of flies. But go to Psalms 37, verse 4 and 5. And what I'm going to show you right here is the master key to how to have this joy in living. Psalms 37, Verse 4 and 5. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm probably talking to some people telling stories like that. I wouldn't plan on telling those stories and things. But the thing is, you need to be doing what God wants you to do. Number one, you need to be doing it in the church. What you're called to do in the church. Then number two, with your life. If you're on a wrong road right now, and you know it, you need to seek God about how to get on the right road you belong on. Amen. Psalms 37, verse 4 and 5 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. <coughs> now, as a Bible teacher, we break it down to show you some things that maybe you just don't catch right offhand yourself. But anyway, every blessing in life as a believer involves God's part and your part. And that's exactly what's in these two verses right here for you to enjoy the life that God called you to. The God part and your part. The world calls it cause and effect. The God calls it seed time and harvest. And so let's look at God's way for you to have this joy in living. And number one in verse four, here's your part so God can do his part for the joy in living. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Not in your mate first. Not in your children first, not in your job first, not even in your church first. Your number one thing is you've got to cultivate your relationship with the Lord first. Delight yourself in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, just because I know more about me than I do about you, I can tell you about me, how God led me when I got born again. When I got saved in 1980, the Christian life was new to me since I didn't really know any Christians. 
and I really wanted to go all the way with Jesus. So I made a 180-degree turnaround. And, you know, I just want to say this. Back, back, back when I got saved, the, you know, I was raised back in the hippie days, of course, aboard 1951. So the hippies, we had beatniks in the 50s. They were called hippies. They were called beatniks. You may not even heard of them, but we had beatniks. And then in the 1960s, they changed it to hippies. And so they had, they had this culture that they had this theme that God is dead. And so that was kind of, well, you heard that you know, all the time, God is dead. You know, God's not real. He's dead. And so when I got born again in 1980, Jesus became very real to me, became my Lord. He became my Savior. And so, I mean, I made a 180-degree turnaround. And so because I didn't know anything about anything, here's what I did. And then I found out it was called Delight Myself in the Lord. Number one, I went to church every service. If I could be faithful to the tavern and to my buddies when I was a sinner, why could I be faithful to my spiritual family where they had the anointing of God at and the Word of God? Amen. I went every service. I did not want to go back to losing. I didn't want to go back to depression and drinking and not knowing if I was going to wake up alive the next day or not. I didn't want to go back to having to hide from people, run the things. See what I'm saying? And so to delight myself in the Lord, I went to church every service. I went to special services like revivals every time they had them. I went to all the fellowship dinners. And I couldn't wait for work days. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching about work days right now. We've got one Saturday, but that'll be a good one. I couldn't wait to work days. And I remember at the work days, because they didn't know when we had people there that they were building a, a, a church addition, doing some things in the church there. I went there. They didn't let me do anything but be a gopher. I was so happy to be a gopher. You know what a gopher is? He say, go for this and go for that. They say, haul this trash out, sweep this and do that. Hey, go get this for me. Can you run and get that for me? Can somebody run down to Burger Chef? Well, that was the restaurant they had for Hardee's. It's not Hardee's. What is it out here, Carl's? They'll see Carl's and Hardee's all the same thing, but then it was Burger, Burger Chef before that, a long time ago. And so if somebody go down there, I'd go for it. And, but you know what? I was so happy. I was with God's people in God's house. They, might have let, they didn't let me use a hammer or a drill or a saw yet, but I was with them. And so that's what I did. I was like myself in the Lord, and so I did those things. And then number two, and this might sound drastic to you, but I had to do it for me. I unplugged my TV set, and I rolled it. What do you mean you rolled it? Well, my TV set was a great big old wooden box about this big. That's all we had back then. Didn't have all this stuff. A wooden box on rollers had a screen about that big, but the cabinet was about that big. I unplugged it. I rolled it to the corner of my apartment. I put it in the corner so I wouldn't even see the screen because I used to be a TV addict. And I knew that addiction to television was still my time with Jesus. And so I didn't, I didn't watch TV. Actually, about the first three or four years of my Christian life, I didn't watch TV, period. And so I unplugged my TV. I rolled it to the corner, screen face the wall. And then number three, at every opportunity, and I'm talking about if you want true joy in living. At every opportunity, I read and studied my Bible and learned the verses that I heard my pastor teach. And I listened to Christian radio. And the verses that I heard preachers of the radio teach, I wrote those down on three by five cards. I carried them a little, with a little pocket New Testament in my, in my shirt pocket on my job. And when I took breaks, I'd pull those cards out and read them. I'd pull my Bible out and read it. And when I had lunch, I'd sit down and I'd read those verses. What was I doing? I was delighting myself in the Lord. 
I've never been a depressed Christian. I've never been a weak Christian. I'd lie myself in the Lord and then in bed at nighttime with my regular big Bible like this. I had a nightstand beside my bed and verses that I was learning. You know, have you ever noticed I quote a lot of verses? Verses I was learning, I'd leave my Bible open right there beside my bed. Last thing I did before I turned the light off, I'd read that verse out loud. I would quote a chapter and verse where it was at. I'd read it out loud. If I happened to wake up during the night, I'd turn the light on. I'd read that verse again in the middle of the night. And the first thing I did in the morning before I got up, I'd look at it again. That's how I become, you know, maybe a walking Bible, some people say, because of all the things on the inside of me. But that's how I got it. I delight myself in the Lord. And so I did that. And then, of course, I talked to Jesus almost nonstop all day. And I kind of lived my life like I heard a man say years ago, a, a great preacher, they asked him, said, well, how long do you pray? And he said, I've never prayed longer than 15 minutes, but I don't go 15 minutes without praying. So that's how I've lived. And so that, that was my delight in myself in the Lord. But then I want you to notice the God part. This was my part. And then the God part's this. He says, the last part of verse 4, I delight in the Lord. Then says, then because I do, he gives me the desires of my heart. What does that mean? He changes the desires I had to be the desires he wants me to have. He gives me the desires of my heart. I had the desires to finish my truck driving career before I got saved. But then my desires changed where I didn't care anymore about finishing up those pension years because I knew Jesus called me to be a preacher. That's telling nobody to quit your job. But the way I was led, I knew he wanted me to be a preacher. And so God's part is he put his desires in my heart. And then notice verse 5, because of time now, we're kind of wrapping it up. Then when he gave me the desires, then I commit my way into the Lord. That's my part again. Number one, I delight. Number two, he gives me desires. Then number three, I give them back to him. I commit my way into the Lord. And so that means my part for the major life decisions like finding a wife. You know what? Yeah, you find a wife by giving it to God. If you're somebody that's looking, believing God wants you to have a husband and you're not married, whatever it is, when God puts those things in your heart, you commit it to him and say, okay, Lord, I know that I can mess this up if I try to get in the way, but I'm going to give this to you and I thank you. And so it pays to go to prayer meetings. She told you last week we met at a prayer meeting. But then we didn't see each other for a year and a half. Then when I began to believe for a wife, then God brought us back together again. Amen. But he gave me that desire, and then he brought her to me. And then also for, for a job or going to the ministry, you got to give that to God. God puts it on your heart, what he wants to do, you commit it to him. And that's your part. Then what's what's the God part? Look at the last part of the verse. And he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring it to pass. When I was believing for a wife, the Lord had me look at that verse. And you know how it kept coming out of my spirit by the Holy Ghost? And he, not me, shall bring it to pass. I'd read that verse and it'd say, and he, not me, and he, not me, and he, not me. Amen. And he, not me, shall bring it to pass. So anyway, to wrap this up in a nutshell, what I've told you is this. 
if you want to have true joy in living, then number one, get really serious about Jesus. And then number two, when your desires start changing, don't fight it. Because if you're going to delight yourself in him, he's going to let you know. I want you to lose 50 pounds. I want you to quit blowing all your money on this. I want you to start shutting these TV shows off. Whatever it is, whatever it is that God knows is a hindrance to your life, he'll give you different desires. And then when he does, you'll just have to say, Jesus, I've given it to you. And then don't be surprised when all of a sudden that beautiful little skinny blonde shows up in your life and God puts you together and say, wow, this is exceeding abundant above all I could ask or think. Amen. And so anyway, I hope that helped you tonight to see what I'm talking about because God has a great plan for your life and his plan is not necessarily what you think it is right now, but when you get really, really committed then you're going to see things you didn't see. Then when you do, people are going to be glad to be around you. Your kids are going to want to come around again. People you work with are going to want to come up to you for counsel. And the main thing is, you can go to bed with joy. You can wake up with joy. That's going to be a blessing to enjoy your Christian life. Jesus said, to have it in abundance to the fold till it overflows. Amen. Well, let's stand up and praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.